Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Well, I'm with Kevin Sheedy. Um, Kevin, great to see you, first of all. Uh, what are you up to these days? Um, I'm a bit of a man of leisure at the moment. Um, I've spent 10 years as a youth coach at Everton. And a friend of mine got a job in Saudi Arabia, so he'd, he'd asked me if he, for quite a while if I fancied going over there. And uh, I thought, you know, it's a fresh challenge, something different. As a player, uh, I wanted to, to play abroad but never had the opportunity. So it was something completely different, uh, a different way of life. Um, using an interpreter for the first time, people that don't speak English, but football's the same language all over the world, and it's uh, I really enjoy doing it. So um, I've come back and you know just had some time off, and uh, I've recharged my batteries, and uh, I'm looking to get going again. Good stuff. Um, do you keep up to date what's going on um, in the Premier League? Last like with, with Everton specialists was. Yeah, I mean, I watched, uh, watched the games when I was abroad, but when I came back, uh, I go to a lot of the games, so I'm up to date with you know, how they're doing. Um, so, we're in a, again, we're in a bit of a, a transitional period. Um, you know, we've had some good results, and then we've just gone off the boil lately, so um, I think it's a bit frustrating to the supporters, you know, with the new owner coming in, and we spent a lot of money, but I think that the, the fans have got to be a little bit more patient, um, and, you know, stay with the manager uh, and see where it takes us. How much has the game changed, do you think, Kevin, since the time you, you were playing in the 80s? How much has things changed? Um, it's, 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 it has changed a lot. Um, you know, you look at the conditions on the pitches, the pitches like bowling greens now. When you look back to sort of when I was playing, say, eight, mid-80s to late-80s, you know, pitches at the end of the season, there wasn't much grass on it. So totally different on the, the football service. Um, players are probably that much more known, you know, diet-wise and, you know, the sort of... Physically, probably you know more physical sort of thing, but I think the the skill factor um, it, it hasn't changed. You know, so again, I ask the question: Could the players of of sort of my era play in the modern game? Mm. Of course they can, because once you've got ability, you'll always have the ability, and you're up to the the modern way of things. So, um, so yeah, but no, it's it's, it's a lot quicker now. Uh, you know, the, the 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 pace and the speed of the game. So um, you know, it's it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, a great you know game to watch. It's a huge business, obviously, football, um, Kevin. Like, has, has the money and the amount of money in the game spoiled it somewhat in terms of there's not much loyalty with players and, you know, the diving that's come into the game, all the foreign players playing in the Premier League now. Has it spoiled it somewhat for you? Um, well, the game's evolved. Um, you know, it's... Um the money in the game, you know, through... Uh, you won't get too many players now that will do testimonials. They'll be at a club for 10 years um, just because of the, the market that they're, they're in. Um, but no, it's... Um, you know, the supporters still have to pay 
a lot of money to go and watch that that'd be the one thing I'd try and change was you know they don't have to pay so much to go and watch watch the the game that they have mm. and because it's a global game Kevin it makes it that more difficult for we'd say Irish players to come through now and play in the top level of English football unlike your day but like Everton is especially the huge Irish history yeah, I think it's difficult for, for British players as well as Irish players, you know, because of the, the amount of money that, that the, particularly the top teams have got, that they can go out and buy the best player in the world from anywhere. So if you're a young player trying to get through and all of a sudden they go and buy a world-class player in your position, then it's going to make it even harder. Mm. So I think, looking back to what they did years ago in Italy, where you could have as many foreigners in the squad, but you could only actually play three at one time. Mm. And I think, you know, you've got a, a lot of the Italian young players coming through, but it just seems to be really clogged, you know, at the bigger clubs like Man City, like Chelsea, Arsenal, where they they've got you know they can spend a lot of money, go and buy the best young players in the world. So it does make it really difficult for the, the sort of you know homegrown players to, to to break through. Yeah, uh, Seamus Coleman obviously is is one of the Irish players at Everton at the moment. Um, you know, first of all, like what do you think is going on with him at Everton at the moment? How do you rate him as a player? He's been left out uh, of recent matches. Yeah, I mean, he's come back from a horrific injury, first and foremost. I mean, mm. um, I've seen players come, you know, have that type of injury. Jim Beglin, years ago, had a, a similar injury. Right. And, you know, he came back to, to a certain level. Um, obviously, um, techniques in surgery and uh, rehabilitation, you know, is a lot better now. Um, you know, he, he's come back. Um, the team's struggling a little bit. But, um, you know, we look back for Everton paid £60,000 for him. You know, he's like an absolute diamond. Uh, he's been a brilliant player for the club. Um, and he, he'll get back to his best, you know, both for, for Everton and for, for the Republic. Do you see him moving on to maybe there was talk at one stage I might get a, a top four club like Arsenal of kind of interest in him. Do you think that will happen? Um, I think there was talk a few years ago. I mean, he was, he was got in the, uh, the, the PFA player, the, you know, the right back of the, of the season. You know, he, he was playing at really, you know, the t- he was the top right back in the, in the country. And I'm sure if he finds that same vein of form, then, you know, top teams would be looking at him. Mm. What about the title race? Uh, it's Man City, Liverpool, Liverpool wobbling a bit of late. How do you see it finishing up? Um, it's going to go right to the wire, and I think there'll be a few more twists and turns along the way. Um, you know, I don't think any team, apart from Arsenal, when they went through the whole season unbeaten, um, you know, that wasn't going to happen. But you know, you could see City drop maybe more, more points. Liverpool could drop more points. You know, and I can see it going right to the wire, uh, which makes it interesting. Tottenham, they're only five points off mm. it as well. So I wouldn't say they rule them out. They they obviously need to win every game, which um, they're missing it. You know. Keane's missing, yeah. uh, Deli Ali's missing. So there's those injuries to those players have come really at the wrong time for Tottenham. But it probably it would come down to a two-horse race, and you know it'd be difficult to to put your money. But if I was going to to do it, I'd, I'd put it on Man City just because they've got that strength and depth of the mm. whole squad, so they can afford to to miss uh, centre back uh, Liverpool if they lost Van Dijk then you know, they'd be in trouble sort of thing. So, um, so I think probably the, the strength of City squad just edges it for me. Yeah, um, interesting. And the, the Champions League uh, resumes shortly as well, Kevin, next week. Four English teams in it, like Spanish teams have dominated for the last six years, Madrid, four in a row, Barcelona. So it's been really Spanish dominance. Before that, the English teams that did well, like United, mm. obviously in Chelsea. Do, do you see maybe Liverpool, Man City, United, Tottenham getting to the final issue maybe and breaking the Spanish dominance? 
I think so. I think there's no outstanding team now. I think you know you wouldn't be surprised anybody could beat anybody. Um, so obviously Liverpool's got a good chance uh, against Bayern Munich. They're, they're not the Bayern Munich of old. Uh, so certainly over two legs, you'd, you'd look to see maybe Liverpool should get through. Man City the same. You know they've got the strength of squad as I mentioned before that they can compete for four trophies as it is at the moment. Um, so yes, yeah, so I don't think the Real Madrid and the, the Barcelona's are, are, are what they were as well when they won the the European Cup. So I think it's wide open and you know there's four British teams in it. So you know, one of them's got a good chance. Mm. That must have been kind of a huge frustration in your career, Kevin, that you never got a chance to play in the European Cup, stroke Champions League, I suppose the European Cup back then when you were playing uh, because of the English band. That was was that one of the biggest frustrations in your career? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look back when your career's finished, and you know, I won the league twice with Everton. We won the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, but when you look back to the team we had, uh, the format of the, mm. the European Cup in those days, we 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 played uh, Bayern Munich in the semi-final of the Cup Winners' Cup. They won the Bundesliga that year, um, and we proved over two legs that we could beat you know mm. the top teams. So the frustration was that the team that we had was good enough to win to win the European Cup. So not being able to. Um, to compete in it was a real disappointment. So I think it was because um, English teams had a monopoly in all the European competitions. I think it was an opportunity for the governing body to sort of ban all teams in Europe to give obviously other countries a, an opportunity to win those trophies. So yeah, so look back, um, an absolute tragedy, and you know you never want to see anything like that again. But from a pro- professional point of view, it was really disappointing not to be able to compete in it. Mm. 85 is a sensational year for you, of course, in Everton. Like you, you nearly won everything, you won the league um, and won the cup and his cup, and just just denied the double, weren't you? By United that year, wasn't it? it was a great Everton team. It was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was for the for the treble. I mean, we we uh, we had a, a massive game on the Saturday uh, against Luton. On the Wednesday, um, we sorry, do that again. Um, You're grand. So we played um, a league game on a Saturday, we had the Cup Winners' Cup final on the, the Wednesday in Rotterdam and then on the Saturday um, we get back from um, Rotterdam the early hours Thursday morning, mm. uh, rest, go t- travel down to, to London on the, on the Friday and play Man United You know, and we had the Indian sign over them in the, in the league games um, and it, I think it just took its toll, it was one game too many, uh, we didn't have enough recovery time. Uh, we got beat to a, a great goal. If you're going to lose a cup final, obviously yeah, Norman White's first goal yeah. uh, was a great goal. I mean, it's the only place he, he could have beaten Neville. Um, so, you know, to end a fantastic season, you know, with a defeat in the cup final, again, was, was disappointing. But it, when you look back at the whole season, it was a, it was a magnificent season and uh, probably Everton's best season, in, you know, in their history. Yeah, that, that was the year Kevin Moore was sent off as well, wasn't it? The first man sent off in the FA cup final. It was. It was the, the referee, I forget what his name was, but it was yeah. his last game and I think he wanted to go out with a... You know, having done something <laughs> controversial because Kevin was a great player, uh, wholehearted, mm. and even that Peter Reid myself went to the referee and said, "Don't send him off," sort of thing. You know, and looking back, that probably turned the game in their favour because you know sometimes you you see games, you know, one team goes out to ten men yeah. and the other players so raise their game, raise the game, yeah. and uh, I think we just bit of both. They raised their game. We just ran out of legs a little bit because of the, the you know, the effort we'd put into to win the cup winners' cup a few days before. So um, yeah, major disappointment. Obviously, um, you know, United went on to win it, so that was a disappointing end to it. Mm. And the cup winners' cup final, you scored in, of course. Yeah, so great memories. Um, you know, we were strong favourites. As I said, we'd beaten Bayern Munich in the mm. semi-final, which most people thought, you know, that was the final. Uh, so it's, it's difficult, you know, going into a, a final as underdogs, but we performed really well on the day. 
uh, we got 2-0 up and I think we just took our foot off the pedal a little bit with probably uh, Saturday's game against Man United in mind and they had a prolific goal scorer Hans Krankel um, and he, he scored and I think they were still celebrating. We went down near the, the other end. Graham Sharp laid the ball into my path. Uh, I managed to chip the keeper. And that was game set of match. So it was, it, was, it was great for personally. You know, when you look back and you always want to play in, in cup finals, European finals. So to, to play, win and score the decisive goal, then that was, mm. that was great. And that year as well, of course, you, you, won, you, you beat Liverpool by 13 points. And there was only two points up for grabs then. So that shows you how good that Everton, Everton team wants to finish 13 points at Liverpool. It was. I mean, it was. A, it was a fantastic season, and I think the the start of it, we played. Um, funnily enough, Man United at Goodison. Uh, we beat them five 0 It was probably when I look back, that was probably the best team performance I'd been uh, involved in. Uh, I scored two goals on the day, one a header from the edge of the box, which is quite unusual for me. <laughs> um, and that was due to Kevin Moran. He's head butted the back of my head, and the ball shot into the top corner. Uh, but after the game, you know, you're sitting there and you're just thinking. And they had a good side. They had the likes of Kevin Moran, Brian Robson, yes, Brawls, Olsen. Gordon Strachan, and they were uh, tipped to be, you know, win the league as well. So we absolutely destroyed them on the day. And I think for me personally, that sort of that was the turning point for us. Mm. And we, you know, we were a good team, but I think the confidence grew. And uh, as you say, we won the league, but that many points was was a, a tremendous achievement. Mm. Talk to us about the, the Merseyside derbies that time, um, Kevin, because you know you're up against the likes of Sunas, Ronnie Whelan, you know, Rush and Daglish. Yeah, I mean, they were the, they were proper old-fashioned derbies. You know, it was like. Um, anybody making the, the Mersey derby, you know, you, you sort of give them your experience, you say the first 20 minutes, it's not a proper football match, it's just 300 miles an hour, tackles are going in, look after yourself. Um, and it, it was a fierce competition, you know, we got on well, there's like Ronnie, as you mentioned, uh, John Aldrich, Ray Houghton, uh, played with them with Ireland, but when you went out for a Mersey derby, there was no friends on the pitch then, it was just like you had to win sort of thing, so highly competitive uh, both teams had great players, and you know it was always you know close close run affairs. Um, I think the derby games are slightly different now. You know you've got a lot more foreigners, and the the, the supporters are still as uh, intense and fanatical. But I just think you know the the mm. way the modern games change. If people ask me what's the difference, I think if you look at a, a derby game from the mid '80s and you look at the derby game now, you'll you'll know the difference in in, mm. in, in the football. When when you played against Liverpool that time, Kevin, did you think at the back of your mind you had a bit of a point to prove because? Of, Paisley signed you, didn't he, for Liverpool? Yeah. You, you only played a few games. Did you think you had a point to prove? Um, I think so. Initially, when I first went, then obviously, you know, I had added incentives, you know, to, as you say, prove them wrong, you know. Um, but fortunately, um, when I signed, I was only the, the second player to cross... Um, Live both in Liverpool clubs, um, so there was a lot of pressure because I thought, well, the Everton supporters would be thinking, well, if he's not good enough for Liverpool, why would he be good enough for Everton? So I had a good pre-season. I hit the ground running. Uh, my early uh, games at Goodison, I played really well, scored against Tottenham. So I think I won the supporters over in a in a short space of time, which was really important for for my career at Everton. Um, so yeah, yeah, and um, you know, Paisley signed you that time. Uh, what was it like at Liverpool? Can you remember going going to Liverpool? Obviously, a huge club. Yeah, I mean. I, I was a young player at Hereford United. I'd just finished the season uh, for Hereford. And I was at home and a friend of mine uh, rang me and said he got two, two tickets for the European Cup final, Liverpool-Bruges. So I went along um, just as a football supporter. I didn't support it, you know, Liverpool. And saw Kenny Dudley score the winning goal. And two weeks later, I get a phone call from my chairman at Hereford to say that they'd accepted a £100,000 bid and, and go and sign for Liverpool. And I didn't really want to sign because I'd, I'd, I'd seen for myself the best midfield in Europe, Ray Kennedy, Graham Souness, Terry McDermott, Jimmy Case. And I knew Liverpool had a... They'd like to buy young players in and you know put them in reserves and 
bringing them along and I just felt I didn't really want to, I had confidence in my ability but um, I didn't really want to sign uh, but when I got there the chairman said you know it was £100,000 he said if you don't sign Hereford United could fold sort of thing so he put a little bit of a bit of pressure on me and I'm a loyal person so I signed and even though I made four appearances in four years training every day with the likes of Graeme Souness, Terry McDermott, Kenny Dalglish, Alan Hansen, it can only improve you as a mm. player so I went there as a young 18 year old um, came away when I was 22, signed for Everton, but uh, didn't have much big game experience, but I'd had the experience of training and you know making yourself as good as you could be. So I look back, not with um, disappointment, it sort of toughened me up mentally and it made me a better player. Uh, so when I, was, when I was signed for Everton, I had the tools then to be able to go and perform uh, for Everton for nearly 10 years. Mm. Who did you support, by the way? Um, it was a bit of both. It was funny enough, I was talking... Um, it was Chelsea early on, then uh, Man United, and uh, one of my early d- games was uh, as a 16-year-old. I came on a sub for Hereford against Fulham, uh, and in those days it was at Craven Cottage, and Bobby Moore was playing for, for Fulham. Uh, Rodney Marsh and George Best, who was my idol growing up, so to be a, to be on the same pitches as those three w- was brilliant. We got beat, we got the run around, we got beat 5-1, but again it was another uh, great experience for me. I'd say that. And, um, you know, you mentioned going to Everton from Liverpool. Hor Kendall signed you, wasn't it? He did indeed, yeah. I got a phone call the last game of the season. It was um, uh, Liverpool against Preston. And I was in, he didn't have mobiles in those days or any agents. And I just got a phone call from a newspaper reporter who, who was good friends with Howard. And uh, he just said, would you be interested in signing for, for Everton? I said, I would. He said, put the phone down and Howard Kendall will give you a ring. So I thought it was like a winder from one of the, the lads. Sort of thing. Anyway, sure, I put the phone down. Howard Kendall rang me back and said he was interested in signing me. He was going to come along and watch me uh, against Preston. Um, and, you know, he said he'd heard I was a good player, but he just wanted to see it for himself. So anyway, I must have done OK. Two days later, I get a phone call to go and sign for Everton. So it was, it was a real easy move for me because I was in Diggs in Elsie Road, which is just around the corner from Anfield. And during the midweek games, if Everton were playing at home, I'd get a, a ticket from the top tier and I'd go along and watch Everton. So I saw Graeme Sharp make his debut. I saw Adrian Heath sign from Stoke for 750000 saw Kevin Ratliff making his debut. So I saw the sort of young players Howard was putting together. So I felt, you know, was, uh, I knew the passion of the crowd. So it was the easiest thing in the world to, to mm. sign for Everton. And it was, you know, it was the right decision. And the rest of his history, as I say, because Kendall had a phenomenal record, didn't he? He did. He was, um, I mean, he's all, I always say, one of Everton's best ever players, Everton's most successful manager. You can't say much more than that. But he, 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 was, he was brilliant to me. He, he gave me so much confidence. Um, you know, he had 100% confidence in me. So even if I wasn't having a good game, he, you know, he'd leave me on the pitch. He knew I could score a goal or create a goal. Uh, and as a player, that's all you can ask for as a manager. You know, and you've got 100% confidence in him. And then it, it takes the pressure off you if you're trying things and if they don't come off, you know, you know that he's behind you, sort of thing. So you're able to to keep going. So yeah, so I've got a lot to thank him for. Mm. And uh, I mean, your your career was um, was colourful to say the least, because you know you won a championship with a very good Newcastle side as well. Didn't you when you went to Newcastle after Everton? Yeah, that was a, it. Was a great move. I mean, it came, at my, you know, as a footballer when you look back. Uh... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I was in and out of the team at, uh, at Everton, and I, I only wanted to play. I didn't want to be a sub or, you know, coming on a sub. I wanted to play because your career is short enough as it is. Mm. Um, so I had a chat with Howard, and we both thought it'd be for the best you know if I moved on and I was lucky I got a phone call off Terry McDermott who was Kevin Keegan's assistant they'd just taken over at Newcastle would mm. I be interested in the same thing uh, no hesitation um, I was over for an Ireland game against Wales and uh, I flew back to, to Newcastle the next day and it was easy because I knew the passion of the supporters it was a massive club uh, they were in a relegation battle when I first went there and we stayed up the last game of the season and then uh, the next season we won the first 10 games at home and we went on to, to win the league. So I won another you know, league medal there, so it was, a, it was a great move for me. And just on to the, the international scene then, Kevin. Um, what a career you had with the Republic of Ireland, 83 to, or 84 to 93, almost 10 years, 46 caps and 9 goals. Like, you have Irish citizenship, I know you were born in Wales. Your Irish citizenship came from your dad. Was he, he was born in Clare, was he? He was in Inicia, and uh, he came over to, to England when he was 16 to work. Um, so um, married my mum, was Welsh. I was born in Wales, so I had the dual. I could, I could pick you know either Ireland or Wales. So fortunately, um, I made the right decision. And um, I mean, initially uh, we had some good players, but we did, weren't really a team. And sometimes we'd be a bit of the, the whipping boys in, in games. I remember we played Denmark away, and they had a, a brilliant side there that Prebenelkar and Olsen. Um, we got beat five nil, uh, but again it was another learning curve for me. And then when obviously Jack. Jack took over the rest of his history, you know, he, he got us into a style of football, um, it was his way or the highway, and, uh, you know, we, we started to get results against the better teams, the top teams, and obviously to qualify for the Euros 88 was, mm. was brilliant, uh, to come real close to, to knocking Holland out, you know, we nearly got six minutes away from mm. the semi-final, so I think, you know, the first game against England, obviously Ray, Ray scored, um, Russia was probably... We drew nil-nil. Um, we should have beaten them, um, and then went to the last game against Holland. So it was it was a great experience for both the players and obviously the the supporters, um, and it gave us again looking back confidence to to go on and compete against the best teams in the world. Mm. You, did you make a debut uh, for own hand? Was manager when he came in? Was he? Yeah, Owen was. Uh, Owen was unlucky, wasn't he? Um, he, he? I think he was a little bit. Um, but he wasn't strong enough with the bigger players. I think that was the difference between him and Jack. If you'd have asked me, you know, what's the difference? Yeah. It would be Jack, you're doing it this way or you're not playing sort of thing. Where I think Owen was a little bit more where he, he, um, he say let the, the, the top players sort of like not do what they want. But it, was, it wasn't the, the same as you know, under Jack. 
Mm. I was going to say as well, like two great left-footed players in the team when you come in, yourself and Liam Brady. Um, how, how was that? Like Brady was a, was a special player as well, wasn't he? Oh, he's a brilliant player, world-class player, Liam. I mean, he played for Juventus, you know, Arsenal. But he was more of a playmaker. Uh, Liam was like the central midfield, um, whereas I was more a wide player. And I think looking back, I mean, Jack wanted... Um, Two, you know, midfield players that would like really energetic and all that. So he mm. was a different type of player to probably what looking back what Jack wanted sort of thing. But no, absolute world class and, and brilliant and a, gra- a great fella as well, Liam. Yeah, where do you stand actually on the two footer, Kevin? You know, like you'd hear a fella saying that all pros should be both footed, and yeah. that it drives him mad when you hear a commentator saying that it felt to his weaker foot. Yeah, you know, especially in today's game where fellas are getting two hundred twenty grand a week. Yeah, where do you stand on that? Um, it's just a difficult one. Um, I was I was born in a pub uh, in the country. Uh, so I spent all my, all day kicking the ball against um, my pub. My dad's pub had different sized walls, so I practiced my free kicks. I practiced my scoring goals, and I practiced my passing. So I was I was self taught, but it was all with my left foot. So um, I just made my left foot as good as it could possibly be. So I know people say that you know you you should be two footed, but very few players are actually you know as strong with the the, the one foot as the other. So um, but now um, you learn to. To adapt to what you do, so you, you've got to use your right foot. You, you're weaker foot at times, but certainly, um, you know, you make your, your strengths, whatever it is, as good as they can be. Mm. Um, you mentioned when Jack came in, everything changed on the big Jack when he arrived in '86. Uh, as you mentioned, qualifying for the Euros in '88. I mean, that was um, that was a great squad of players here then, wasn't it? It was indeed, and I think you know you're looking at. Uh, why we were so, so successful is all most of the players played for all the top teams. So we used to playing in big games. We used to playing in European games. So you know we had that big game experience. So when you put all those players together and we got on really well, we all gelled. Um, we had a style of play which everyone bought into. And you know it was you know people saying about long balls, but when you got Steve Staunton with his left foot putting the ball to the strikers, or you had Chris Hutton, Dennis Irwin, you know it wasn't like long balls. It was like quality balls uh, into strikers. You know we did something different, which most well all uh, international teams. You know once you lost the ball in the opposition half, uh, they you know you get back and just defend. Whereas Jack's philosophy is if you lose the ball up there, go and get it back. So we were putting pressure on teams that weren't used to being pressurised in their own in their own half. So uh, and then when we win the ball back and we've got the quality of the players like Ray Hatton and Andy Townsend, um, you know you, you're going to create opportunities. Mm. Um, I'm sure you know who I'm talking about when I say like some some of the punters on the day were saying that Jack should have done more with talented players he had, yeah. like in terms of playing football more, that yeah. not going for the long ball. That he's a bit bit negative. Yeah. How, how would you answer that? Well, I answered by how do you gauge success? I mean, as I said, we, we were six minutes from knocking Holland out and getting to the semi-finals mm. of the Euros. Uh, Holland were the best team in it. They deserved to win it. But in football, um, you know, you, we were that close. And to get to the, the, the quarterfinals of the World Cup against Italy in Rome, against 12 men, because the referee was certainly on their side that night, um, would we have got any further in either competitions if we'd have played a different style of football? I don't know. But certainly, you know, Jack's the most successful Ireland manager. Um, mm. So would we have got any further? I don't know, but it was certainly, uh, if you ask the supporters um, you speak to now, you know, 88 and 90, you know, they were, they were brilliant times mm. for Irish football. Definitely, yeah. We'll get to that as well shortly. But, you know, in 88, when you beat England in the opener against all the odds with the, the, the squad of players they had as well, what was that like to, you know, to come out on top against England, their first ever major finals match? Yeah, I think it was, it was, it was a local derby, 
because they had all top players and we had all top players, so it was always going to be a close game. The pressure was obviously on England more than us. They were expected to beat us, um, and it was just um, a great occasion and to, to to get a goal early on um, with Ray uh, put the pressure even more onto them. And I think Packy Bonner had a great game that that day as well. Mm. Made saves, vital saves at the at the right times, and uh, we probably rode like a little bit, but as as all teams do, you know, you make your own luck at times. So to beat them, got us off to absolute flying start. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that was um, that was great memories, and again, as I mentioned before, the supporters, you know, they had a fantastic. Fantastic. Time. Yeah. And to be involved in three games for you was great, wasn't it? You it was played uh, played in all the, the European games and the uh, the World Cup games, so it was it was great. I was disappointed not to start um, against England, but. I had a couple of minigling injuries leading up to the, uh, the Euros. So Jack, in his mind, he, he thought I wasn't 100% fit. So before we left the hotel, he called me and he said, listen, he said, if you were 100% fit, you'd definitely be starting. He said, but I don't think you're, you're quite 100%. He said, but you'll get on at some stage, you know. So I was really disappointed because obviously you, mm. you, 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 you want to play in all those big games. But so it was great for the lads. I mean, I, I came on a sub sort of thing and, uh, and then played in the, the next game. Uh, against Russia and then the, the, against Holland, so uh, it's great, great memories and uh, mm. you know some good times. Yeah, I was England up first in the World Cup as well, and uh, who'll forget that night in in Calgary when uh, you scored the equaliser past past Shilton. I was right behind the goal myself in the rain. Yeah, and uh, you know it's a night that Irish fans will never forget. Like, and you know what was the feeling like to, to equalise that night? It was, you know, people ask me what were your best moments in football, so I'd, I'd have to say that's that's right at the top because. As a young lad growing up, you're watching the World Cups, you're watching Brazil playing in World Cups, and as a as a young player, you you want to you want to play in the World Cup finals to so actually get there uh, was brilliant. Uh, the game itself again was like similar to the game in um, Stuttgart, but it was like different conditions as you mentioned, mm. you know, raining, lashing down. So it was a, a tight affair. Linica scored after about six or seven minutes, yeah. um, and you know the game changed. Then we had to put more pressure on them, and it was a, a long uh, kick from Paki Bonner. Uh, Cascarino, as usual, wins a flick on, and uh, I tried to make a pass through to um, Alan McLaughlin and got intercepted by Steve McMahon, who'd just come on, and he tried to play a square ball to Gary Stevens. He intercepted it, and as soon as I hit it, I knew it was in because all your years of training and doing it in training, as you know, you know, when you hit it sweet, and yeah. as soon as I left my boot, um, it was right in the bottom corner, sort of thing. Shilton had no chance with it, so. Um, celebrations afterwards I don't know because Steve Thornton grabbed me straight away so I don't know if I'd have made a fool out of myself but no it was a, it was a, it was a great moment for me obviously a, a ma- massive goal to, yeah. to get you know historic goal Kevin first ever World Cup finals goal that's it's a little piece of well a big piece of history that no one will be able to take away from me so so yeah no, it, was, it was brilliant and you know uh, again you don't you can't afford to lose your first game so that that helped us obviously to mm. to go on and qualify but now looking back that, yeah. that night in Calgary um I'll never forget yeah and similar to 88 because you played Holland again and that one drew with them uh Holland and uh you know reached reached the last 16 where we beat Romania on the penalties you, you took one of the the five penalties as well yeah i mean it's uh you know i i hear people saying oh, you can, you you can recreate recreate you know penalty situations believe me you can't uh, the, the final whistle goes after extra time and obviously you don't know who's taking the penalties because you know you sort of before the game you don't think it's going to go to penalties um, and you don't know who's going to be left on the pitch sort of thing so um, as soon as the whistle went I just said to Jack I said I'll take the first one um, I was I, I was the penalty taker then um, and I just thought, well, if I save my penalty till later on, or we, we might be already be out sort of thing. So I thought, well, you know, I, I'm confident I could score. Uh, so Hadji took the first penalty for them. Uh, Paki went 
the right way for all the penalties, you know, but it, mm. it, was, it was a great penalty. So the walk from the halfway line, uh, all our supporters were behind that goal as well, so it was ad added pressure. Uh, but I'd said to myself, as soon as I knew what I was going to do, I was going to hit it hard, down the middle, high up, so if the keeper had a training foot, it would beat that as well. And I thought, well, the keeper's got to dive, he's not going to stand there, but you've got to trust your nerves sort of thing. So I just, you know, hit it as sweet as I could, exactly where I wanted to, so it was a, a great relief when it hit the mm. back of the net. Um, so then, obviously, Ray Houghton scored, uh, Andy Townsend scored, and Tony Cascarino, and he, he didn't want to take one of the penalties. Going to hit the ground, he, didn't he? He, he, he? he was sort of, we knew it was going to be Italy in Rome sort of thing, so, um, you know, it was just, it, obviously, a little bit, you know, obviously disappointed Romania, there's no way you want to be beaten, but someone's got to lose, so, uh, and Dave O'Leary's to put the last penalty away. Uh, so we'll go down in folklore because, mm. and again, Dave, <laughs> penalty, you know, sent half, you know, but you know. Did we, you close your eyes when he? No, actually, um, <laughs> as he was walking to take his penalty, um, I was talking to him a while ago, and because uh, I said to him, I said, Dave, just pick your spot, don't change your mind at the last minute, pick your spot, hit it as clean as you can, and um, and and that's what he did. So it was. Um, so and then obviously Packy made the save before that sort of thing. So um, it, w it was great, and it was only probably into a few of the games that we realised, you know, that actually Ireland had come to a to a standstill sort of thing. And when we came back, uh, the open top bus, and we didn't have phones in those days. But I always remember getting to the end of O'Connell Street and looking back, and it was someone said it was about two hundred and fifty thousand people there. It was just like it was unbelievable. And if that, you know, if one picture could capture. What it meant, you know, to to, to Ireland for, mm. for that was it was that is that one moment for me. Yeah, and as you said earlier, Kevin, you gave Italy a run for the money as well. Like, we did indeed. Um, it was it was close. And I say it was every fifty fifty decision the referee gave it to it in Italy's favour, and in a tight game over ninety minutes. That was probably your best performance, was it? And yeah, I mean, it's the first time I'd been. I'd been. Some people said to me, "Who's the toughest defender, a toughest opponent?" And it'd be Bergami, the right back. It was the first time I'd really been man marked because he went mm. wherever I went, he came with and followed me. Uh, real tough, but uh, we had a couple of chances. I think Quinney had a chance, um, but their goal. McGrath had a bit of a chance. Yeah. Paul had a chance. Yeah, but their goal. I played the ball up to John Aldrich and Brazy was marking him, and he just towed it through John's legs to Donadoni. He's ran half the length of the pitch, hit a shot, Packy's parried it, and it's the last person Litty you wanted to go to, Scalacci. Mm. I mean, he was on fire. Um, and he, he tucked it away but you know we, we ran them close sort of thing and after the game Jack said he said you, you, you won't know how close you've come to, to get into a World Cup final because uh, in the in the semi-final it was against Argentina mm. and they were an ageing team they still had mm. Maradona but um, they beat Italy on penalties sort of thing so you know you're looking back and we've we done great to get there but you know a bit mm. more bit of more fortune on the night than yeah. maybe you could have done but uh, it was still fantastic times yeah do you think those times will ever return for Irish football you're hard to see it, isn't it? At the moment, obviously, hopefully we get a reaction with Mick taking over. I think that was a, a you know great appointment. You know, sorry to see Martin and, and Roy go, but you know sometimes when it's a football uh, industry that win winning games, so uh, probably a different voice for the players, um, different you know different ideas. Um, so hopefully we, we get a good reaction from that and, and we can mm. get some get some results. You know, so uh, you know the. The players will do their best, and hopefully, as I say, we, we we've got a we've got a decent draw, you know, in the in, in the in the Euros. So hopefully, you know, get a couple of good results early on, and then uh, confidence will grow. Yeah, I, just because we're in Cork, Kevin, um, just wanted to mention two special players, Roy Keane and Dennis Irwin. They were coming through when you were kind of coming to the end. Yeah, the, yeah. The two two great players for Ireland. 
Our two great players for Man United and, and for Ireland. I mean, uh, you know, everyone knows the, the, what Roy gave to United. You now, if they were losing a game, he'd, he'd, he'd pick them up and he'd get a draw. If they were drawing a game, he'd, he'd get, a, you know, he'd get a win. Dennis, a uh, real quiet gentleman, um, absolute quality, you know, great fullback, great with set plays. Uh, he just got on with his job, you know, week in, week out, just did the same, trained the same. Uh, when he was with Ireland, exactly the same. So, um, you know, two. Two great players of the, mm. of, as I say, for Ireland and Man United. Yeah, and just on Mick um, as well, Kevin. Like a lot of people say, we played our best football under Mick. When Mick was manager, we played great football under him. Yeah. So, would you have confidence he's the right man at this time to come in and try and qualify for twenty twenty? Yeah, I mean he's got no friendlies that he can sort of like you know get his ideas straight away. So it's, it's, it's tough call that he's coming straight into uh, a qualifying game. But you know he'll have he'll have to a little bit of time with him in training and to try and get across what how he wants to do. But I think. Ultimately, it's down to players as well. You know, they've got to show a lot more confidence, a lot more desire to get on the ball and play, and you know, and and, and you know, try things and, and use their ability. So I'm sure Mick will will do. We've got um, Robbie Robbie Keane with him as well. Mm. So you know, you know, they've got they've got bags of experience between them. So I'm sure I'm sure we'll get we'll get some good results. Yeah, and a, and a huge incentive, Kevin, because uh, some of the games we play in Dublin, Dublin yes, the yeah. Euro 2020. Good incentive, like isn't it? Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, I was it came over for the draw, and um, you know, to say two games. So, not, what could be better than you know two two games? You know, for, for with the Republic playing in Ireland. Mm, fantastic. Just um, you know, I just want to ask you before the end. Um, does, does international football still do a few, Kevin? Do you think it's lost something along the way? Does the Champions League, the big one now, or you know, compared to that, we say what? What does international football stand for you? Um, I don't know. It, it, there's that many games now. I think when when we played, probably if you got a hundred caps, that we done, you'd done absolutely brilliant to get that. Now mm. there's that many countries now. So when we played Russia, we played the whole of Russia. Now there's that many um, other teams, sort of thing. So yeah. I think the, there's there's probably too many minnows, so to speak, and and some games aren't really competitive, sort of thing. I think that would be the only thing. Um, but certainly the top teams will always be, you know, the top teams. So uh, you know, as I say, hopefully we can, we can get in and and, and get and get qualify. Uh, will you go to any of the games? I will do, yes, definitely. So, um, yeah, so look forward to that. Yeah, good yeah. stuff. Just finally then, Kevin, uh, it's a big year for you coming up, isn't it? Are you, are you 60 at the end of this year? Thanks for reminding me. Yes, indeed. <laughs> where does time go? I mean, you're yeah. talking about the 1990 World Cup and, you know, all of a sudden it's 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 flown sort yeah, of thing. So, yes, it is enough. So, uh, it's, um, you know, I've enjoyed myself. You know, I've been fortunate that uh, I've, I played, I made my debut when I was 16. Um, I finished playing when I was 35. Uh, I went straight into coaching, and I've done that for for twenty four twenty four years. This is the first time I've I've had six or seven months off football, sort of thing. So I, I understand what people say when you you need to recharge your battery. So I've, I've spent enough time doing the things I want to do. So uh, I'm actively looking now to get back into into football, whether it be a coaching role or a manager's role. You know, it's it's, it's in my blood. It's it's what I know. So uh, I'm looking forward to to my next opportunity. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.